I'm Jackie from Cape Town in South Africa. I'm Andre from Brisbane. I'm Ben Wiley from Botswana. Jim Panton from Edinburgh in Scotland. I'm Lisa Brignall from Christchurch, New Zealand. Nick Kidinji from Nairobi, Kenya. I'm Viggy from Tel Aviv in Israel. I'm Andy from Vancouver, Canada. This is Harish from Bangalore in India. I'm Brigitte Seiberstein from Frucht, the Netherlands. I'm Dougie Nisbet from Durham in the UK and you're listening to Run with Coach Parry. Welcome back on to yet another edition of Run with Coach Parry. I am Brad Brown. I've got the coach with me once again, Lindsay Parry. Welcome back. Nice to touch base. Yeah, good day. Good to see your mug again. Absolutely. Lindsay, today's quite an interesting one because it's not a, a question, uh, so to speak, but it's just a follow-on from two posts that we've had on our website that have, have just really resonated with people. And it's uh, two of our Fast Friday posts that we've done over the last few weeks. And the first one was actually about you uh, and something that you sort of figured out. And then the second one is uh, a client of yours, one of the guys that you're coaching, uh, Warren. And I wanted to sort of just tie the two together and, and talk a little bit about the importance of the, the sort of principles that are spoken about in, in those two posts. And the first one uh, is learning to run slower to run faster. Uh, and that's like a really me dumbing it down. But tell us a little bit about sort of the, the thought behind it and, and what, what you sort of figured out again. I mean, you knew it, but sometimes you need to figure out again just for yourself. Yeah, so look, I do. I, I find it handy when we experience things and it is exactly as you know it is, but the actual experience of it, the experience of it really reinforces it. So look, this is something that I've battled with over the years um, and it's not just me. It's, uh, it's, it's the most common mistake that amateur or non-elite runners make, and that is to run most of their runs too hard, and therefore when they do the, the so-called quality or high-intensity training, they actually don't run or can't run hard enough, but in, in particular, line up at their goal races with tired legs. So I often hear... hear um, Runners talking about junk miles and they go, yeah, but we, we don't want to run junk miles in response to what I'm saying. And, and the reality is that the junk miles are those miles that are run in between in, in what I call no man's land. So if we run easy enough, we're developing aerobic capacity. And then when we run harder, we're working on anaerobic to an extent. Some of it will also be aerobic, but there's also neuromuscular um, and, and other factors that we're working on when we go into this high-intensity phase. But the very important part of the training ultimately is that we do the right amount in this very easy. And most people have to teach themselves to run that slow because the common thing I get is, oh, but running that slow makes me more tight. Now, I can, I can assure you on a physiological level that's just not possible. Um, you just you're burning less energy than when you're running slower. So, but that comes to comfort. They feel uncomfortable running that slowly. But if we do run slowly enough, then and we start to develop that aerobic system in the way that it's intended to be, our aerobic zone, if you want to, uh, for lack of a better term, just shifts further and further up. In other words, you can run faster and faster and faster while staying aerobic. Um, so that's kind of why I always use the phrase run slower in order to run faster. And it's because it's it's on two fronts. The first front is that ultimately we want to be running aerobically 
faster for longer. And most of the races that we get help with, certainly on this platform, the shortest race that people generally tend to come to us with help for is 10 kilometers. Um, More common half, even more marathon, and then ultras are the most common. But the reality is that regardless of where you are on the 10K to the ultra marathon scale, we need to run and race aerobically. And in a race, when when the when you hit the wall, so to speak, the maximum speed with which you can run at is the highest point at which you can aerobically run. So when you slow right down after hitting the wall, and let's say you are a pretty good runner and you settle on five minutes a K is your number, but that's well short of the 345 that you were trying to run the marathon at, three minutes, 45 a K. Five minutes a K, that represents what I call your lowest common denominator. In other words, when you stuffed, you're going to go to the, the highest point at which you can aerobically compete. And that is, that is what we're trying to shift across. So that's the, the kind of long-term big improvement that we make from training in the right place. And the second point is an immediate effect, which is that if you're running easy enough on your easy days, it immediately frees you up to do your time trials much harder. It frees you up to do your intervals, hill work, all of that stuff that much harder. So that's the immediate benefit of, of running easy. So that was kind of the point that I was trying to get across uh, with that post a couple of weeks back. And then to take that a step further is that if you can actually teach yourself to feel what that feels like, it becomes even more effective, both in training, because it means that you're not relying on a watch or something telling you that I must slow down or I must speed up. You actually learn to intuitively feel how much energy you are meeting out at any uh, given point in time. And that's kind of the skill that we've lost. Look, I, I'm a I'm a big a GPS junkie. I love logging my stuff. I love putting it online. I love tracking my heart rate um, in training. And I do use all these tools. But when it comes to racing, nothing can actually help you race better and get the best out of yourself than feeling where you should be, what what pace or, or energy output you know you can sustain. And the better you get at that, the more you'll know. 5Ks, I can go this effort, that effort. Um, and, and typically in, in my experience, I find that the people who master that skill are the people who tend to run the best because the people who don't master that skill, even when they know that they should be running 5.45K for the first 10Ks of a race, they will go to 5.30. Why? Because they're fresh and because they feel good, because they aren't in touch with exactly what a 5.30 intensity feels like. And the emotion of the race and whatever means that it drags them out. And they go, oh, I knew I was going too fast. Um, but, you know, it just felt so good. Uh, and you don't typically get that if you just are truly honest with how you're feeling and you learn it over time. Yeah, and, and we've, we've lost that feeling. You mentioned the GPSs. So, so often we, we feel like we need to be running at a certain pace in our training programs. And, and for whatever reason, we might have a, a toddler who didn't sleep well last night. Or uh, you might just be stressed at work. And, and that has an effect on your training. And because you feel like you need to be running at a certain pace, if you're running with, with that watch the whole time, you, you're looking at it, you end up pushing yourself harder than what you should be doing in those training programs. Am, am I correct in saying that, that sometimes we need to just really 
dial things back and, and go back to the way things were. I'm not saying that, that GPS watches are, are bad for you, but uh, we, we need to be able to, to know what it feels like. Look, that's a, you've actually used the, the best example. That is the ideal scenario. So obviously in racing, there's a good payoff if you know what you should feel like at, at certain paces. But exactly what you are saying there, during times of high stress, you can't just panel your body. Um, you know, it's it's not a nail. Um, and even a nail, if you just keep hitting it with a hammer, especially if it's gone in at the wrong angle, that nail will break. So don't treat your body like a nail. And on the days that you're not feeling good, allow yourself the freedom to just back off and not worry about a time and a minutes per K. Um, and, you know, in, in, the, in the kind of earlier days, um, before GPS came out, but we, but we had watches, we didn't really know how far we ran. Um, so to stop people from getting kind of competitive with themselves on a route, that's where this whole time-based training came from. So you need to go and run for an hour, hour and a half. And at the end of that hour, hour and a half, sure, you'd have an idea of how far you ran, but you wouldn't know for sure. So there wouldn't be this sort of need to keep running a specific measured route faster and faster each week. Um, but your example there is the absolute best use of running on field. On the days where you're tired, exhausted, whether it be from training or from work, you back off, you run on how you feel is very easy, and that will give you a much better chance of in the coming days to bounce back and to get some good runs in again rather than keep pushing yourself into a deeper hole. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and talks like this I think are important, Lindsay, that uh, for a lot of people, they, they sort of think that the paces that they should be training at, what an easy run is and what a hard run is. And in your experience, I mean, and, and I'm, I've just seen it from the periphery of looking at athletes that you train with, that the vast majority of amateur athletes, and I don't want to use the term average, but amateur athletes, guys and girls who aren't racing for a living, they... they think they're running easy but they're still running harder than what they should be running in their the easy training runs and their high intensity sessions they're not hitting the numbers that they should be and that is is what's different between the the pro athletes and the average athletes the pro athletes because they're working closely with someone who, who looks at the numbers and analyzes things are hitting the right numbers all the time yes and part of it has to do with the fact that somebody's looking over their shoulder and advising them but the other part of it is that they do intuitively have a much better understanding of what is easy running. And I actually saw this um, on a tweet the other day from a professional um, female American athlete where she tweeted out and said, dear friends who, who run with us from time to time, please stop trying to kill us. We are inviting you to run with us because we really do enjoy your company and we like to run with you. But really understand that even though we are elite athletes, our easy really is easy. Um, and often in those scenarios, I know exactly what she's talking about. Often in those scenarios, the people aren't even consciously running harder because they're with a pro athlete. It's just that is what they consider an easy run, which is to say that they are running too hard. Because if they're running too hard for pro athletes, who's almost definitely better than them on race day, 
they are definitely running too hard in their training. Absolutely. If you're looking for some help one-on-one, we can help you here at coachperry.com. I'd uh, head over to this URL. It is coachperry.com forward slash coaching. You can get uh, some details there, and there's no better way than to work one-on-one with a coach to get that instant feedback to improve your running. So go check it out. That's coachperry.com forward slash coaching. From myself, Brad Brown, and the coach, Lindsay Perry. Until next time, cheers, Lindsay. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, that was brilliant, Brad. See you again soon.